When I start with a nice word on Parshas Vayigash, in the Mayun Shaltoire, he brings a word from the early Yankov. I'm not sure if he means the Dubna Magid or not, but he brings a Madrash that um, Yehida tells tells Yosef, not knowing that it's that it's Yosef, just knowing that he wants to take away Benyaman. He says, "Benemisim shaluni ksev im ein levenim kebenavusai." Bzei yeshle leshalom. You say that our brother stole from you, and you want to take him for an avid. In our Torah, it says that if somebody steals, then you then you take him for an avid, but only then he gets sold, but only im ein loy, only if he doesn't have money. But this, my brother has what to pay, so yeshle leshalom. So why are you taking him for an avid? So he asks a question that a lot of them ask: Why would you need to be telling this to a a, a, a king, a mitzri? Um, and our Torah, it says that if somebody could pay, then, then he doesn't get sold. Why, why would he think that the king will be interested in, in what our Torah says? So he explains that what's the reason why the Torah says that you that you sell a ganav? Somebody stole and you're selling him for Avid. Who's looking to have a ganav in his house? When you think about it, this guy just stole from people, right? You don't want, you don't want such an Avid in your house. So the answer is that the Torah is assuming that why did he steal? Because he doesn't have money. You know, unfortunately, he's, he, he didn't have anything to sustain himself with. And instead of dying from hunger, he brings a pusik mishleh. The ganav is just trying to get some food, get his hands on something to eat. So because he's such a rachmonis, we understand that that's why that, that's what brought him to do something like that. But if we're going to take him to someone's house and let him work and make money, give him a job, then, then he's not going to steal anymore. And that's the reason why when somebody does have money to pay, which means that, oh, he had money in his pocket and he was stealing? No, that, that's a person that you don't want in your house. The Torah is telling you to only sell somebody who doesn't have money, and that's why he stole, because now we assume that he's safe to have at home. But if somebody has money, and he's stealing, it's a different story. So that's what Yehidu was telling Yisrael Tzadik. But in Shalun, in our Torah, there's this idea that if somebody has money to pay, and he stole, then, then you don't want him in your house. So why are you taking my brother Benjamin um, as, as a slave? And with that, he was trying to get Yosef to understand that I guess there was no use in keeping such a such an avid. Um, what it got me thinking... And we talked a little about this in the in the question I'll be addressing. But sometimes you see a person with a certain deficiency. Um, in this case, somebody's stealing, right? It's a problem. It's very it's so important to understand why is this person doing that. And it makes a big difference if the person is doing it because they're bad and because they want to do something bad, and because they could have done differently but they chose to do it. Or are they doing it because they didn't have a choice and this was their way of sticking up for themselves or this was their way that they got used to or this was something they couldn't, uh, they want to do but couldn't overcome. Now sometimes that a person is being affected by somebody else's deficiency, it doesn't make a difference. You stole from me. I don't care if you stole because you were hungry or you stole because you're a bad person. But the Torah is teaching us that you should care. It's important to care and to notice if somebody's doing something they could have avoided or something that they couldn't have avoided. It makes a very big difference. Sometimes actually, if you take it a step deeper, you might even notice that Maybe you had part in causing someone's problem. Now, I'm not saying that you should always be taking responsibility for someone else's problem, but sometimes you'll notice that not only could that person maybe not have avoided what they did, but maybe you actually had part in causing somebody to do something wrong, even to you. So these are all things that you should be taking into consideration instead of just jumping to conclusions or getting angry at somebody for doing something wrong. So with that said, let me read a question. Um, like this. Okay, so it starts. it starts with... Explaining the question in short and then elaborating. So question in short. What do I do when my husband is suddenly not okay with the way I am after years of him gladly accepting my shortcomings? I've been dealing with ADHD all my life, sometimes doing better and other times struggling with the more basic tasks. My husband has always taken the stand that my 
ADHD is not a big problem, I was happy to step in wherever necessary to keep our household running smoothly. I often complained that ADHD was leaving me handicapped and I wasn't doing well as a housewife, but he always dismissed it. Now, after 12 years into our marriage, he told me that he's feeling burnt out and frustrated. He feels that I need him to walk, walk me through everything and that I can't deal with daily life without him. He says he still loves me and loves taking care of me, but it's draining him and he's falling apart emotionally. How am I supposed to react to this sudden change? I'm happy to work on my executive function, functioning skills and speak to a therapist about how I can be more, become more emotionally independent. But all of that will take time. What can I do for my husband in the meantime? I don't want the resentment to keep building up, but there's not much I can change today. Okay. So let me just say again the question in short, the way this person wrote it. What do I do when my husband is suddenly not okay with the way I am after years of him gladly accepting my shortcomings? Which is basically the gist of the question. It's quite a few years that I'm doing things, you know, not, not the best way. My husband seemed to be okay with it. He even told me that he doesn't think it's such a big deal. And he was helping out and, and covering for it. And, and all of a sudden, you know, it's quite a few years in and he's not okay with it anymore. So what I think, just as, as, as an introduction to dealing with this responsibly and not misguiding both the person asking the question as well as anyone listening to this, I think that whenever we deal with such kind of situations, it's always important to first assess the situation properly. There's, there's dysfunction which really is dysfunctional, where somebody's really not coping, even, like you say, with the basics and, and things are falling apart and the household is not being run. And you don't, you don't mention, but now you probably have, uh, I don't know, maybe seven kids, maybe three, maybe one, maybe ten, whatever it is. Um, you know, and there's some neglect, or I, don't know, I have no idea. So it could be that your house is falling apart, meals are not being made, um, kids are not being tended to, and all that. And then there's other situations where somebody's coping maybe a little less than normal, um, and, and maybe certain times less than normal and not uh, you know, doing everything the right way and, not, and not, not everything is running smoothly but, but it's still okay and there are many situations like that some people assume that it's a huge problem even, even when things just aren't the way they should be or the way they would have wanted them to be or the way they grew up with them being or the way their neighbor's doing it but it's very important to understand that difference and I've seen, I've seen people mix them up I've seen people see situations of real dysfunction and neglect and say, okay, it's not terrible, you know. So the kids are eating fish sticks, uh, you know, every night for supper. I'm not talking about the warm ones. We're talking about yesterday's that were left on the counter. You know, but, but in general, it's okay. We're, still, we're all happy, you know? It, you know. Sometimes things are not okay. You know, I understand my kid's missing the school bus. He's not really going to school. It's already two months, but really, I've seen people justify crazy things. I'll tell you. Um, on the other hand, I see people getting stuck on things that are relatively trivial and making a big deal about the fact that you know, the, the nutrition level of the meal is not mamish the way it should be, etc., etc., and, and, and the kids are being rushed onto the bus last minute, and things that, in a perfect world, in a perfect home, if there's such a thing, don't, don't happen. But in very many homes, um, they do happen. So it's important to understand what you're dealing with and be able to assess it properly. I'll also mention that there are people whose personalities just make them a little less uh, efficient than others, let's call it. You have some people that get it all done. You have people that are overachievers. You have people that are aggressive and the people that are energetic. And then you have people that are more laid back or more living in the moment or less organized and things like that. And if a lot of that is, is simply a personality. Now, the point of understanding it as a personality is not because it really makes a difference um, in the outcome. The outcome has to, you know, we all have to be um, functioning on some healthy level anyway. But the point is that sometimes it's relatively normal and it's still, when you start comparing it to other people, you'll start noticing that, you know, 
and people who know my book will understand that when we talk for a minute just about the yellow personality, somebody who's more fun-loving, happy-go-lucky, living in the moment, is very often running a home in a yellow way, where things are a little less organized and taken care of and planned. And, 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 and when you start comparing it to the general you know, public, you'll see that this is 25% of people, which is not too little, but in the big picture, well, three-quarters of the people maybe are doing a little better. Maybe, I'm not saying that every yellow personality is doing um, not functioning properly. I just mean to say that you always, have to, you always have to understand what that is. Now, for some people, to be on the lower 25% of organization skills and, and, and functioning and coping, for some people, that's terrible. But then again, you have to realize this might be considered normal. For many people, it's considered normal. And with children, you see this. People start assessing children based on how you compare to other children and, and what most kids are doing and that. And, you know, every average means that this is just the average, but it's only average. A lot of people are doing better and a lot of people are doing worse, and it's still okay. I've seen situations where one spouse, based on their personality and their um, coping skills and their whatever you want to call it, capabilities, was judging the other spouse as being totally crazy, um, dysfunctional, problematic, and went through a whole regimen of therapy and medication and all kinds of different things to take care of the major problem that was here, which when you looked into it, it, it wasn't such a problem. It was a problem just compared to what this spouse would have wanted or what they were capable of doing, what they expected, but not necessarily um, what really was, was problematic. So I, I think it's very important to explain that as, as just as an introduction. It's always important to get that. And then you have people who sometimes do better, sometimes do worse, as you mentioned over here, that sometimes better and sometimes worse. So again, when it's better, how good is it? When it's bad, how bad is it? It's, it's all very important. You don't want to generalize when you talk about things like this. Um, and then there are people which is not a contradiction anything I said up until now, but then there are people who only do well when they have to. They only do well when they have to. So the more you make it easy for them, or the less they have to, um, you know, so often, this is something we all see, right? When Shabbos is earlier, people tend to get ready Friday afternoon earlier. When Shabbos is later, people tend to get ready later. The people that are last minute in the winter are the last minute in the summer. Why is that? Right? If Paisach would be able to be pushed off, people would need more time. Very many people only do things when they have to. So until you have to, you don't get around to it. When you do have, So there are people that do things the way they should, and they're ready in advance, and they're very organized and very planned out. And then there are some people who function best when they have to do certain things. And when they don't have to, they don't do it. And again, many things in life have to be done, and they end up getting done. And many things in life you don't have to do. And sometimes people just neglect those things that they don't really have to. And sometimes people wait until they have to. And that could also look problematic, but sometimes it's not terrible. So anyway, my point was just that I don't want to jump to conclusions about what's really going on in this situation. Um, I also don't want people to jump to conclusions and assume, based on hearing about this, oh, so I must also be dysfunctional, I must, I must not be dysfunctional, and, and things like that. Now, I try, usually in my classes, to address the person asking the question, and not the spouse who didn't ask the question. And, and the reason I do it, and I talk about this often, is because I don't want people putting, putting advice in other people's faces. You know, this is what you should be doing. Did you hear what he said? He said that my husband... My, my... But in this case, I think that if I address it just one-sided, you know, it, it, might, it might give some, some wrong impression. So let me try to just uh, give a, a balanced picture. If the husband were asking for help, right? a husband's coming to complain, it's 12 years that I put up with this, it's 12 years that I tried to make my wife feel good about it, you know, about not being a problem and covering for it, and I'm just... At the end of my rope, this is not normal anymore. Well, the first thing I want to tell a husband like that, and, and I'm not just saying it for this situation, I'm saying in so many situations you have both sides of the coin, so it's important to, to talk about this. The first thing I want to tell you, dear husband, is that I understand you, it's not easy. It isn't easy. It's not easy 
um, to come home to a home that's not running properly. It's not easy to have things fall on you and to know that if you don't take care of them, they won't happen. It's not easy to, to have to look for your uh, whatever it is that you put somewhere or to wonder why the bills aren't paid or, or misplaced and things like that. It's not easy. And it's definitely nice of you to have tried to cover for it all this time. It is. Um, and it is nice. I'm not saying nice as if, uh, wow, you're a tzaddik, you shouldn't have done it. No, it's very nice. And this is what we do for people that we love. And it's understandable to get burned out after a certain amount of time. 12 years most people probably would have gotten burnt out after 2 years uh, some people put up with it for 30 years I'm just, I'm just saying it. it's understandable that people do get burnt out and it's important that wife hear this as well um, I'll talk more about that later I do want to mention and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this sometimes covering for a certain problem right somebody's not functioning properly whether it's real dysfunctional neglect or, or whatever it may be covering for someone like that might very often be part of the problem it's like I said before, there are people that only do things when they have to. And if you're worried that they're not going to do it even when they have to, or you don't like to wait till you have to, you might end up doing a lot of things on your own. Now that would be wonderful if you're okay with it, but sometimes that's actually causing a problem. Which means if you can handle the fact that your wife is only ready at Shabbos by this month, you can't handle that. By this month, it, it doesn't work for you. You want to be ready an hour before this month. So what happens is, you might end up doing it on your own an hour before this month, because you don't want to wait till the last minute. So first of all, you took away the ability for her to be able to do what she could do, what she should have been doing, because you didn't give her the opportunity to do it in the way she, that she does it. But more than that, you might actually not be allowing her to do it, because the, the one time that you're away for Shabbos, for whatever reason, on business or whatever it is, and you're not there to do it an hour before this month, she can't even do it anymore because she's so used to doing it. So what happens is, aside from you covering for someone, and you didn't have to, and maybe that's why the person is never stepping up to the plate because someone else is doing it, you might actually be making it harder for her as time goes on. And that's something that's um, a problem. And very often this is what limits people. It makes them incapable when somebody else is, is, is covering for them. And it, it's, it's, it's important to remember this because with children you see it as well. You see parents who are always covering for children. And I heard this. I heard this from an adult. And again, I, I'm not taking a face value and I think that he was trying to put blame on his parents for things that he should have maybe been doing better. But he did mention a lot of different um, situations where he wanted to do something. He was asking to be helped or told how to do something. And the answer he got over the years was, it's good, it's good, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, it's fine. And he said over the years, he, he, he didn't learn how to do anything. He was never given the opportunity to do anything. And, and he said, now I'm dealing with different struggles, different things that in the past I was more um, motivated and more willing to learn how to do. And, and I, you know, here I am. So the, my point is not that his parents did something wrong or not. I, I, I speak about this often. Stop blaming your parents for all your problems. But on the other hand, when you cover too much for a child or for an adult, it could be causing a certain limitation and an incapability that, because that person doesn't have to step up to the, place, to the plate. And you know, th- this is always your choice. It's always your choice. That there are people who will see that certain things Taka won't get done if they don't do it themselves. And the question now is, should I do it or should I not do it? If I'm not there to give my kids breakfast in the morning, my wife won't do it. She, she stays in bed and the kids have to take on their own some rice cakes and go on the bus. Should I come home or not? In some situations, this is your choice. How important is it for you to, for your kids that your kids have a, a, a nourishing breakfast? And it's your choice. You might not be able to force your wife out of bed. She might either need her sleep or whatever it is. Rice, cakes, and cheese, unfortunately, sometimes is a breakfast for many children. And if you're not okay with that, then you choose if you want more. What I mean to say is that sometimes people get into this thing, so I do have to, I don't have to, I'm getting resentful that I have to. You, you don't have to. It's a choice you make. And in many homes, in many marriages, in many situations, people step up to the plate because they feel that this is what they could be doing and maybe should be doing, and, and they work along with that. 
So I'm just throwing it in there. You know, it's your choice. Sometimes you have to realize that by covering too much, you're actually um, making it hard for someone. One more thing I want to mention just to husband before I go on to my, the main ideas that I wanted to share, and that is that understand your wife. It, it doesn't sound like she wants to do anything wrong. It sounds like she's struggling. Again, like we started off with the word, I don't know exactly why or how. It doesn't actually mean anything bad. I, I don't think you think so either. And just understanding somebody's struggle and not judging them for it or not, not being too resentful about it, not getting personal about it is, is always uh, very important. Sometimes a whole relationship goes sour because of one issue that you're dealing with. And I understand it could be a big issue, um, but you take it personally and use it against someone personally instead of just understanding it and dealing with it with sensitivity. So with all that said, um, let me go back to the question. The question is saying that, you know, it's going on for years, over 10 years that I'm dealing with a certain thing. My, my husband was always okay with it till now, and, and, and what do I do now? So the first thing I want to mention, and again, I, I, very often when I say these things, I don't mean anything personal to the person sending in the question. I, I just keep on repeating it because I want to make sure nobody takes it personal, but I don't know who you are, I don't know what your situation is. And if I was only talking to you, I wouldn't be saying this online. I'm saying this because I want people to hear it. I don't know if you took for granted the fact that your husband put up with this for this long. I don't know. It could be he was so nice and so genuinely uh, accepting about it that you didn't even realize that you know, it's, it's, not, it's not to be taken for granted. Um, it was nice while it, land, while, while it lasted to have a husband who's so giving and taking care of you, but it wasn't demanded of him. So sometimes it's just like part of the story already, you know. It's years that he did it, and now what do we do? Oh, slow, slow. That part was a very important part of this, uh, the story. It's years that he did this? Wow. Just, just don't take it for granted. That, that's first of all. Um, sometimes people don't even realize what, what they what they have and what they and, and they're just dealing with the with the struggle of it without realizing you know what was going on till now. So I don't know if you ever had had to stop and consider what's really happening here and appreciate it, but it's definitely something to think about. And anyone out there who has a husband or a wife or whatever is covering for their responsibilities or even just taking care of their own responsibilities, well, it should never be taken for granted. It should be appreciated even before it becomes an issue that you have to deal with. Even when you have the option of taking it for granted, you shouldn't. Number two, you, you don't want to use his past kindness against him. And it's something I've seen people do. Whether it's the fact that he was kind practically in action, helping you, you don't want to use that against him and say that now he has to do it or now he can't expect of you because, because he was nice, that, that's why he's not allowed to expect something of you or ask something of you, that not. Even the fact that he, that he made it sound like your issue, which you claim is an issue, you're giving it a name, um, the fact that he did away with it and said it's fine, it's nothing, you know, that shouldn't be used against them now. Sometimes what happens is a person has a certain shortcoming or a certain problem, whatever it is, and have a spouse who's kind enough to say, no, it's okay, I love you anyway, it's nothing. I don't, I don't believe in all these terms, your, your BPD is not real, and your anxiety or your OCD is, eh, it's not really a problem. It's very nice of them to make you feel so accepted and so good. They might be doing it because they don't want to hear you crutch about it. They might be doing it because they believe in it. They might be doing it because they want to make you feel, it doesn't matter why. But don't use against someone later when somebody tells you, you know, I think you overreacted, you screamed at me like that, please don't do that. I overreact. You, you told me I don't have BPD. You told me the therapist doesn't know what she's saying. And this is a situation I've seen. Here you have a guy whose wife was by a psychiatrist who diagnosed her as having a serious mental disorder, um, a personality disorder, or a mood disorder, or whatever it was, or more than one. And then when he expressed something about being unhappy with the way she was treating him, what she threw at him was the fact that, that, that he laughed at the psychiatrist. Now, I don't know, it's irrelevant why he laughed at the psychiatrist at the time. If he, if he didn't believe in it, or because he was trying to make her feel good, or he was afraid of agreeing with the psychiatrist, whatever it was, she's using against him the fact that he was being nice. 
In any case, I just want to compare it to what we're dealing with over here. So you don't want to use against the husband the fact that he was nice to you, he was accepting to you, or he was understanding of you. I also think that it's very important for you not to take this personally. Now, it doesn't sound like you, like, like this was taken very personal and the relationship became rocky. It doesn't sound like it from the question. Um, I have my own understanding and interpretation of what's really going on over here between the lines, but, but that's not the point. I want to help people with this. If your husband is getting burnt out or falling apart, or whatever it is that's making it too hard to deal with, and I've seen the same thing when it came to, for example, I just want to give another, another uh, example so it doesn't get too isolated here. I've seen this in regard to OCD. I've seen a situation where a husband's OCD was, was, was a problem. It was a problem. It was a problem that was disturbing the function of the home. It was a problem that was disturbing his schedule and his functioning with the family and everything. And his wife was putting up with it. His wife was putting up with it. Until there came a point where it was just making everyone crazy. I'm not going to go into all the examples that were... That were it was mumish wreaking havoc on the home, on the home and the house and the family because his OCD was controlling everything that was going on in every room in the house and it was just crazy. By the time, by the time his wife was told by a therapist or a mentor... You know how to navigate and not be overtaken by it. He started taking it very personal. Now, again, it's understandable, and some people do things to, to do take things personally. But it's important to remember this is not personal. It's not personal. It's it's an isolated issue. Now I understand that when somebody's dealing with severe OCD or, or a lot of things, they could be taking things personal, and that's something to learn how to deal with. My point is just that if your husband's having an issue, getting burnt out or falling apart, um, trying to run this home on his own, let's say, don't take it personal. Take it for what it is. Don't generalize. It's such an important. Um, idea when it comes to strong bias there could be an isolated issue that we have a problem with we're struggling with it's a challenge it's a disagreement it's an argument it's a fight but it doesn't have to it doesn't have to swallow the whole relationship now it's easier said than done but if you can maximize the parts of the marriage or the relationship that are really good and before you deal with or while you're dealing with whatever you're going to do for ADHD you're going to try to make sure the relationship is the strongest and the most solid and the most uh, connecting that it could be then, then you're not going to let that um, overshadow everything else there is. And it sounds like it's an isolated issue. So so try to keep it that way. I also want to just point out to you, questioner, just to be more understanding of your husband. Okay, It's not just that you shouldn't use against him the fact that he was nice till now. Things change in life. Now very often, I express this, and you'll hear people talking about this idea, how things change in life, when a husband, for example, is complaining that his wife is not functioning like she used to. Right? Either because she always was making fresh challahs for Shabbos, or she was always on time with this and that, and now she's not anymore. People say, you know, things change. She's had more kids since then, more responsibilities since then, she's more stressed out, she's more this, more that, schedules change, finance, uh, financials change, things change over life, and you can't expect whatever it was that you once had to, to go on forever just because that's what I had, or that's what I was told, or that's what I got used to. It's very important to, to know that things change in life. Right? Life is not stationary, it's not... Uh, uh, set in stone because you once had something that's how it's going to be in this case I think it's the other way around as well if whatever reason something that you were doing or something you weren't doing I should say was tolerated it's understandable that this is going to change one day now you didn't see it coming but I, I probably could have told you there's only a certain amount of time this is going to go on like I said before some people will tolerate it for a few months some for a few years some for 12 years and some for 40 years but very often things change your husband might have more responsibilities since then um, he might just have less koyach and patience and tolerance. The situation may have gotten worse as well. So I, I think it should have been expected that this may have changed. And when it does change, instead of just getting like taken by surprise, like, what do I do now? I can't, I can't help myself so quickly. Understand that, yeah, it was nice while it lasted. 
So that's another important idea that people should know things change and you can expect changes to happen. Now when they do happen, even if you weren't expecting them, take it in stride and realize, okay, so this is the change that Rebbe was talking about. I get it. So anyway, let me just get a little more practical. Some advice. Um, one piece of advice, which is it's a little tricky because I don't know if this is what you expected to hear or this is what your husband wants you to hear. But let me say this. Very many things that become a problem in a relationship um, become a problem because they were taken for granted. And that's what I mentioned earlier about not having taken for granted. Even just, the, even just the fact that in the past it was good, don't take for granted. But what I mean to say is that it could be the reason why your husband is tolerating less and getting burnt out is because it was taken for granted. And this is something I see very often. If your husband would have really felt that you're extra appreciative of the fact that he's covering for certain responsibilities or certain chores or certain things that are hard for you, and you would have mentioned it often, now I understand it, you get used to things, I'm not expecting uh, people to, to, to realize this on their own or to implement this on their own, but if your husband would have really felt that you understand on a daily and weekly and monthly and yearly um, level that you know, I should be doing more of this and you're covering for me, it means so much to me, and because of that I'll do something else, or whatever it is, not even just a a tit for tat, just to express immense appreciation for everything that he's doing, I don't know how fast he would get burnt out. I know many people who do a lot of things that they don't have to, and the driving force behind it is the acknowledgement and the appreciation and the fact that it's not taken for granted. Just now I was dealing with a situation. Again, I'm going to change a few details, but the, the point is that somebody, a woman was staying um, late at work, that's the gist of the idea. It's not so far from what actually happened. She was at work, and she was very busy at work, and she finished work at 4 o'clock. And she could have come home at 4 o'clock. But because she was very busy at work, and there were things that she wanted to take care of while at the computer or the office or whatever it was, she started staying late at work. Now, when a woman stays late at work and comes home at 7 instead of at 4, I don't know, for those of you who know who try this, don't try this at home, it could, it could make things go haywire. Because you have kids coming home from school, you have supper that has to be prepared, you have bedtime that has to be started already, and things like that. And, you know, after one or two or three times seeing that she was able to do this, she started doing it more often, and it became a daily thing. And it became something that, for whatever reason, her husband, who wasn't expected to be home that early, started coming home earlier to cover, and it was going on for a very long time. Now, it went on for a long enough time for everyone to get used to it, for her husband to think that maybe he's obligated to be home and do the pre-supper and supper and pre-bedtime ritual himself, um, and for wife to think that what she's doing is normal because she has so much to do and she got used to it and she was explaining to people and people got used to hearing from her that she's at work till 7 o'clock thinking that she's working, whatever it was. At some point, somebody told this young man, yeah, I, this is crazy. You're going home at 4.30 already and making arrangements every day to make sure someone's there for the bus or for the kids or whatever. You don't have to. By the time he tried expressing to his wife that he doesn't have to and he doesn't think he's really going to be doing this any longer, she lost it. Now, the situation is crazy and there's no reason for a husband to be doing that. Even if his wife is working till 4 o'clock and even if etc. I'm not going to go into the detail, but my point is just, if she would be asking him nicely to do it, and she would be expressing appreciation for it, and she would be showing him and telling him how much it means to her, which very often people who take advantage of other people don't do that, okay? so you don't find that often that somebody should be taking that much advantage of someone so consistently and expressing so much appreciation, but if that would happen, then maybe he wouldn't mind, maybe he'd feel good, maybe he'd know that, that that's why she's going to now understand him better, or at least smile when she comes home at 7 o'clock. People don't, people don't even realize that much. But my point is just that if you... A person's tolerance level could be expanded when they feel that, that what they're doing is meaningful to someone. And this is often the missing key. Now, I don't know if at this point, my your husband's already burnt out, I don't know if it's even good that he should be doing all this for you, like I said before. But I think that if he 
maybe would have felt that you really appreciate it and notice it, even though it's many years already, and you still notice and you still realize, you still acknowledge that you know he's really covering for a lot of responsibilities that you should be doing, it could be he would have more koyach and more tolerance to do it. That's number one. Number two, let's get get to the problem. The problem is that this became some kind of issue between the two of you where he wants you to change, let's say, and you, mm, I can't, it's a, what do I do now? I go for therapy, but what do I do? The first thing, a few, a few short points about this. Number one, don't justify dysfunction. And it's not just dysfunction at home. It's a lot of things. Don't justify a problem. People have problems. People have shortcomings. And one of the, one of the biggest issues is they justify. Now, I'm not saying you did that. I'm just mentioning it. If somebody's calling you out on a certain shortcoming, the, the first thing you shouldn't do is go into defensive mode and say, it's not terrible. Who said it's terrible? What, what do you mean? Many people do that. Don't do that. It just aggravates. It, makes, it, makes, it irritates people when they can't get you to understand that this is not the way it should be. That's the first thing. Now, it doesn't, again, it doesn't sound like that's what you're doing. I'm just mentioning it. Because sometimes in conversation, it's like, well, if I have ADHD, well, it's normal. So what do you want from me? And things like that. It, it, it's, not, it's not okay. The fact that I have ADHD or the fact that I feel that I have my limitation, it, it, I understand that. But don't justify the problem. I hope that difference is, is clear. Number two, express willingness to work on it. Sometimes people get into the mode of, well, I can't change overnight. I, I can't change overnight. So what you're telling me to do doesn't work. As if he has to come up with a solution for your problem... And if you're able to uh, explain why his solution is no good, then, then you're absolved from having to work on anything because the solution is always to tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. And I'm saying this because I hear this from people so often. Somebody has a problem. The other person is suggesting a solution, which maybe they shouldn't have suggested. Maybe it was the wrong time and place and, and they weren't saying it the right way. And maybe, the, maybe it's the wrong solution too. But now, person A with the problem, all they have to do is explain why person B's solution or suggestion doesn't work. And now I'm, I'm fine because what you said doesn't work, so I don't know what to do. You have to remember, this is not his problem. And even if you don't have a solution, just expressing willingness to work on it, instead of just explaining why what the typical understanding of working on it would mean doesn't work, you know, that could also make people feel better just knowing that you understand it and, you, and you're willing to try something, whatever it may be. Before you even know what, you, what, you, what you're looking to really do. Um, next point, which I think is maybe one of the most important for now. Don't get black and white. Sometimes people get into this um, mode of I can't function properly at a normal level, so, so I'm done. I'm, I can't, I can't. What, what, what should I do now? I can't. I'm telling you, I can't. Most people are functioning between 80 and 100%, or 70 and 90. I, I can't get there. And that's why what? That's why there's nothing better that you, than you could do, that you could do than, than you did today? Is that why you can't do any better than you did this week? Maybe five weeks ago you did do better. Maybe there was a time you were doing better. Maybe you could push yourself a little more. And it's the same thing in a general sense when people have a problem and say, well, how fast can I really fix this problem anyway? You don't have to fix the whole problem right away, but there are things that you can do better. So aside from being uh, willing and accepting that, yes, I have to work on this, let me find a way, it's also, let me see what I can do better today than I did yesterday. Let me see if there are more responsibilities I can take care of better or more efficiently and things like that. When people get out of that black and white mode and they push themselves a little more and a little more and a little more, maybe this is a therapy. But very often that's what really brings them you know, to the, to the best that they could become because they don't try to do it all at once and they don't get discouraged when they see they can't get to everything at once. Now, in terms of actually helping what you're calling the ADHD, regardless of if that's the proper diagnosis or not, and regardless of what brought it about and regardless of what's really going to take care of it, you mentioned only about, about going to therapy that takes a long time. Again, many people know my ideas about these things. But I've seen many, I've seen many situations where people struggling with these kind of issues started going for therapy the first thing they, they started doing is looking for the past trauma from when they were either two years old or six years old or the previous Gilgul or I don't know what 
that's causing this ADHD. Again, I, 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 I forgive people. I'm so happy when people feel helped or feel validated, understood. Or when they they need someone to listen to them, cry about their problems from a long time ago. And I don't mean to dismiss it. I think sometimes it's very important. But when you think that that's the way to deal with such an issue, instead of getting practical and looking to really help yourself, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't see that to be very helpful. It says a joke about the guy that, uh, I don't know if it was uh, low self-esteem or what it was, that he went to the psychiatrist. What do I do? I'm having this issue. Psychologist. And the psychologist tells him, no problem. I think we should sign up you know, for a session a week. I think for the next 50 weeks we should sit together. It's $200 a week, 50 weeks. And after that, we'll know, you know where we're headed. And the guy says, doctor, I understand that's, how, that's going to solve your problems. But what about mine? And very often that's what it is. You, you go to therapy and you sit there and you talk and you're looking for all the reasons. And, and I don't know, whoever's been there and tried that knows what I'm talking about. And people tell me all the time, yeah, I heard you say that in a class and so true. Again, if you want to feel good talking to a therapist, it's wonderful. I think many people need it. Many people deserve it. If you're looking to become more efficient at home and run a home well, and you're going to start um, looking for all the reasons behind why you're not functioning, all the people you could blame for why you're not organized, I, what should I tell you? I don't think it's the way to go. I've seen people try that. I've seen people try different medications, different things. Again, whatever works, works. But if something's not working, don't just feel like, okay, so it didn't work, so what do I do now? You have to... You have to and very often, going talking to a coach or a mentor or somebody who could give you practical tips, practical ideas, um, small steps to take, or just the encouragement about how to make this a little better and what you do this week better than last week, and there's some accountability and call me and tell me if you did it this week or not. I, sometimes that's just, that's just so much more efficient and more, more effective. Another thing, which also a coach might help you understand, is how to cut corners in a healthy way. In other words, if, if there's only so much you could do, well, which things are you going to take care of? You can't do 100% of your responsibilities, granted. You can only do 50, only 30? Okay, how do we decide which are the most important 30? Instead of doing 30% of each responsibility, maybe we could do the 30% of the most important responsibilities. Maybe you could have a cleaning help to care of the rest. Maybe you could buy challah instead of making challah and then eating sardines for the rest of the seed and things like that. So it's important to have someone who could help you and encourage you and, and give you the right guidance and ideas um, to overcome these kind of challenges and let your husband know that you're working on it and thank him for all that he's done in the past and thank him for all that he's doing now as well. I just want to end off saying that I don't see this to be a discussion about ADHD and about functioning efficiently. I see this as typical of Oedas Udam. We all have challenges. We all have shortcomings. We should all be tolerant of someone else's shortcomings. Right? Husband. We should all be understanding of how our own shortcomings are things we should be working on. Wife, um, in this case. And I think that in general, when people are willing to work on themselves, even when it's not an interpersonal thing, and even when it's not a challenge that's already causing a problem, just in general, they will work on yourself. I think it's a wonderful thing. When people acknowledge that they have work to do and they try the baby steps that they could do and they are capable of doing instead of shying away and uh, rationalizing the issue and justifying the problem and absolving themselves of their responsibilities, you know, with the right attitude, with the right approach, with the right, uh, you know, with the right steps to work on yourself, I think we could all live together.